Hopefully, there are not folks in your world, I mean literally in your world, that you would just assume that God would zap them, and the sooner the better. I hope and pray there are not people like that in your world. here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust as always that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to attempt tonight to wrap up a series that we have been in for many weeks now uh, dealing with uh, the character of Jonah and we have so many lessons that we can learn from Jonah and make application in our own life. Obviously, that's the reason God has allowed that story to be in His Word. Now listen, with Jonah, there were some people in Jonah's life that Jonah felt like had uh, kind of slighted him some, and he did not want to forgive them. Instead, he wanted to fry them. He didn't want God to forgive them. He wanted God to fry them. Well, we're going to be talking about that in this particular uh, part of the series, and I trust that the Lord would speak to your heart as we do. Our text passage is Jonah chapter 3 and Jonah chapter 4. I want to read another marginal reference, if you please, that is found in the book of Second Peter. And I'm going to begin reading around chapter 3, verse 9. The English Standard Version puts it this way. Again, Second Peter chapter 3 in verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness. Listen to this. But is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach or come to repentance. Heavenly Father, I thank You for each one that's turned on this telecast tonight. And I pray that by Your Word, through Holy Spirit, You would speak to each one. Father, I pray in particular for that one that may have allowed their anger to be roused towards someone and they're carrying around un, an unforgiving spirit. I pray that right now they would find a release from that and find your forgiveness and walk in that forgiveness and walk in holiness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. One writer suggests Jonah probably wanted to see Nineveh's downfall to satisfy, watch this, his own sense of justice. You remember? Jonah is in the trap of personal bias. Let me ask you this. Do you know some persons? Do you know some persons that deserve God's judgment? Do you know such persons? I do. Namely, me and you, whoever you are. We deserve God's judgment. Why? 
And this is the beginning of the gospel. Listen, Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21. This is very early on in the Old Testament narrative. We read every inclination of his, that is of man, mankind's heart is evil from his youth. You see, we deserve judgment. Paul says, as he writes to the Romans, very uh, articulate treatise. For we have already shown, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, we have already shown that all people, that would include you, whether Jews or Gentiles are under the power of sin. You see, we are deserving of God's judgment. I know that most of you would admit that. Even so, I must confess to you, Especially in my B.C. era, you understand B.C. before Christ? In my B.C. era, there have been occasions that I have felt inspired. Way back in that weird little part of me that I do not even understand. I have felt inspired to uh, contemplate, if you please, the demise of other such folks, other sinners. You understand what's going on? A sinner contemplating the demise of another sinner because that sinner is a sinner. It's really easy to rationalize this because you know in that little weird part of you, you know they really do deserve to pay for their ungodly lifestyle. Don't they? They. Don't they? Everybody say they. But what about us? Pastor Terry, you always have to bring it back to us. Yeah, that's my business. That's what I do. What about us? It is sadly true. Check this out. Many, even today, even people who adorn church chairs, many, Continue in the way of Jonah. How so? Could we, could you pick out some seasons of your own life where you resemble Jonah? You remember the characterizations of Jonah that we read the last couple of weeks? I'm not going back into all of that. Hopefully, there are not folks in your world, I mean literally in your world, that you would just assume that God would zap them, and the sooner the better. I hope and pray there are not people like that in your world. Having said that, fill in number six with me on your study notes. Beloved, one of the greatest indictments against the modern-day evangelical body And I'm telling you, I try to be very careful about, quote, unquote, beating up the church. The church gets beat up enough. But one of the greatest indictments against the modern-day evangelical body is that many pick and choose who it is that they pick and choose. We, not just moi, but we, have been mandated by Almighty God to go. We laid a really good foundation for that in part one. We've been ordered to go. And so often in these modern times, we're so quick to to let God know, hey, God, we don't mind going so long as the going 
fits our own bitterness and bias. It's pretty easy to come up with all sorts of reasonable sounding excuses for failing to go into certain communities, for failing to go into certain subcultures and risk being around those people. Everybody say, those people. Come on, do the motions or we'll be here all day. Those people. You know about those people. We can't go over there where those people are. We might get hurt. Here's a little exercise for you, and it's under the little question section of your study notes, and I hope and pray to God that you will ponder this this coming week, that you will take some minutes at some point in time during your devotional moments this week and contemplate the number of subcultures that live in the United States of America today. What do you mean by that? I'll tell you in just a sec. But I want to bring it on down, not just a number of subcultures that live in the United States, which seems like such a huge uh, area, it's just almost too big to fathom. But what about bringing it right on down to little old Henry County, Virginia? Have you ever considered the number of subcultures that live in our county? Hey, 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 what, hey, hey, what about Ridgeway? You're talking about a little dot on the map. What about the subcultures that exist in Ridgeway? What are you talking about, Pastor Terry? I'm talking about peeps that do not look like we do. One of the signals on the football team is Coach Martin, who is an African-American gentleman. He does this. The signal is black. So they run the black play. And every time they do that, I'm like, excuse me? I thought that was funny. <laughs> Apparently you didn't. We'll take a poll after the service and find out. Hey, there are people around here that do not look like you do. Am I right? There are people around here that do not talk like you do. Say amen, Doug Bedgood. They don't talk like you do. Or if you're from Saspahaw, they don't talk like you do. T-A-W-L-K, talk. They don't think like you do. There are people around here that do not act like we do. In fact, there are people in Ridgeway, Virginia that they are living in total darkness when it comes to spiritual matters. Am I right? Why did you talk to us about all that, Pastor Terry? To ask you this. If God asked you or me to go to one of those groups this week and preach to them just a simple message, in order that they might repent of their sin, their darkness, knowing that God would consequently spare them from judgment, what would you do? What would you do? You know, a better line of questioning is this. Listen to me. Let me see your eyeballs. God has called you to go to those people. 
What are you doing? You ever notice how many times we sit in church waiting on God to call us? Lord, speak to me today. I'm a listening. Speak. Lord, speak for thy servant listeneth. And you got a Bible in your hands the whole time. And that Bible says, thank you. Says what? Any questions? Lord, help us. Pastor, come on, help me up. I'm going to go and I can't get up. I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. I want you to note, and I'm, a, I'm having my pre-closing right now. I want you to note how graciously God dealt with the bitter prophet's emotional meltdown. Yeah, meltdown is a new word, you know. Uh, they didn't do that when I was a kid. Because <laughs> you get beat down. Can I get an amen right there? That's what, but uh, he had an emotional meltdown. And God, notice what God said to him. He's having this little hissy fit. God said, what do you have to be angry about? It, it wasn't a scathing condemnation. He didn't thump him off planet earth. Rather, it seems to me it was an understanding tone of getting to the bottom of the situation. Listen, I'm digging deep right here. Fill in number seven with me if you would, please. God was attempting to help Jonah understand his ungodly ugliness. God had already fashioned this fish to rescue Jonah from his first tirade. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And now, after the fact, God speeds up the routine in order to provide this ingrate with a shade tree. Read the story. And it worked. We read this in verse 6 of chapter 4. Jonah was pleased. Well, I reckon he was. God made it comfy for him. Him took a little nap. Yes, him did. Listen to me. But then, once again, God Almighty, I told you, he is painstakingly patient with this but once again God returned to the scene and he put forth a series of events that served to teach this hard hearted prophet how ridiculous he was and how unholy he was in his thinking his bias verses 7 and 8 Advise us that God sent a worm and a hot blistering wind. Somebody should write a country song about that. Once upon a time, there's a worm and a really blistering wind. There's the first verse. Y'all work on the rest of it. You know what God did? God made the dude comfortable. He didn't lay into him. Then he come back and he showed him who's in charge. Listen to me. Can I see your eyeballs just a moment? Do you know who's in charge? God Almighty is in charge. I know you thought it, you and Joe Biden thought it was Joe Biden. I'm not sure Joe thinks that. President Biden. Pardon the disrespect. God's in charge. 
God was trying to show Jonah something. Who was in control. And whose agenda God would bless in this present world. You know, we still have an entity that does that with us in nearly this same fashion. Every day as born-again, spirit-filled believers, we have Holy Spirit that works that way in our life even today. Have you ever done something ridiculous and God made you a shade tree and got you all comfy and you sitting there just enjoying the comfort and all of a sudden Holy Spirit shows up and says, <clears throat> we need to talk. You ever had that happen? God asked a point blank rhetorical question to Jonah. What right do you have? What right do you have? To act like this. And the long and short answer, uh, the long and short of God's answer is that Jonah, Jonah was much more focused on his own bitterness and bias and outright creature comfort than he was on God's agenda. Look at verses 10 and 11. They're magically appearing on the screen. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine. That that he created for him, a shade tree. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, hmm, this sprang up overnight and died overnight. Verse 11. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people. Look at what God said. Who cannot tell their right hand from their left? And many cattle as well. He was concerned about their animals, their livestock. Should I not be concerned about that great city? You understand God's trying to teach Jonah a lesson here? You're concerned about your bitterness and your bias. You're concerned about your own comfort. You could care less about these 120,000 souls that were perishing because they didn't know right from wrong. But God's saying, Jonah, I have a right to be concerned about them. And I'm going to be concerned about them. Now, what can we learn? Here's the official clothing, closing. I think I said clothing. I'm going to clothe this sermon. We need to be aware of and we need to be honest about the trap of personal bias. Does your personal bias line up with this? See, a personal bias is not bad. You all have one, every last one of you. But is yours, uh, is yours based on this, the Word of God? Is it? Do you agree with this? Is your thinking like this? Do you think like God? We should learn that it's not fair for us to be grateful that God forgave us of our sins, but then also be angry because God forgives others. People. Now listen, I'm speaking to someone. I'm not sure if they're here or online or, or will listen later. But something has happened in your life. There's been some uh, interpersonal situation, some relational situation in your life that didn't go too well for you in your opinion, and you've chosen to hate on that person. Perhaps a, a subgroup, a whole subculture of people, and you feel pretty good about it. In fact, as a pastor, I hear this all the time. Well, preacher, that's just the way I am. Well, that's sad if that's the way you am. Because you am got a problem. You better have some Bible for that. Well, you know I do. 
Listen to Matthew chapter 6. Somebody tell me what's in Matthew chapter 6. What? Sermon on the Mount, what else? There's a model prayer given there. We pray it all the time, don't we? Before we play football or basketball or soccer, before we go out and kill people, we, we pray this prayer. And it concludes in verse 13-ish. And seldom do we think about verse 14. Here's what it says. Jesus is speaking. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, Ever had anybody sin against you? If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. What's the moral of that story? We should be forgiving people in order to be forgiven. Look at verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's just the way I am. I hate them. I wish God would zap them. I wish God would fry them. I'm not going to talk to them about the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of God. Well, then you have an eternal problem. An eternal problem. We should be grateful that God is loving and forgiving because if God wasn't loving and forgiving... Beloved, all of us would be in big trouble. We set the stage for that earlier. And it is the height of arrogance to consider, to think about it any other way. Let me share with you in my final and third and final closing this morning. God's heart. Are you interested in God's heart? 2 Peter 3 and 9, the English Standard Version puts it like this. The Lord is not slow. To fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Look at this. Not wishing that any should perish. I can preach that with biblical confidence. It's not God's will that any human being on the face of the earth perish. Not one. But that all should reach repentance. It is God's will that every man, woman, boy, and girl, whether it's somebody that looks, acts, smells, talks, lives where you do or otherwise, it's God's desire that all of those persons come to repentance through Jesus Christ and spend eternity with Him. That's God's heart. And it's also the heart of those who claim to chase after that God and claim to believe this word. Are you with me? Are you? Life is always better for everyone when we choose to focus on the blessings and the grace of God instead of holding grudges and bitterness and bias. It come out in the prayer room this morning, and beloved, this is true. The only person that suffers from grudges and bitterness and bias is the one that harbors it. The one that harbors it. And I hope that, pray that's not you. One of the indictments against the reprobate of Romans chapter 1 is that they are merciless. Romans chapter 1, it talks about those reprobates are merciless. 
They show no mercy. Isn't it true that we live in a world like that today? This world is just merciless. They show no mercy. I want to encourage you this morning to pray with me that God would help us to not be merciless when attempting to reach the merciless. Make sense? Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there and wrap up the series by asking you this. So watch this. Has some things transpired in your life that have made you bitter? Someone did something to you or come against you in some way, and you've just allowed that, you've embraced that, and you've allowed that to fester in your spirit and your heart until it's just made you a bitter person. Isn't that a terrible place to live? It is. And listen, everyone has opportunities where things happen to them and they can embrace that and allow that to turn into bitterness, which actually builds and kind of encapsulates you in this spirit of just, just a yucky spirit that comes against you and builds a prison, actually serves to form a prison around you to the point that other people don't want to be around you. And initially you think, well, that's good. Somebody hurt me and I don't want them to be around me anyways. But after a point, you realize that you're all alone, all by yourself, surrounded by this bitterness. It's a terrible place to be. Pastor Terry, what do you do when that happens? Well, you give that bitterness over to God who is able to forgive it. In other words, able to cast it aside, take it away, and to actually uh, just dismantle that uh, fence of bitterness around you, that little fort of bitterness so that he can allow his love and his forgiveness to come flooding in like a, like a flood uh, to overwhelm you and can bring uh, joy to your soul and a peace to your soul unlike anything that you may not have experienced for a long time. Can you be encouraged? Let go of the bitterness. Let go of that which caused you to be bitter and allow God to bring about that forgiveness in your heart, your spirit, your mind, and to draw you closer to Himself. I trust you'll be challenged to that extent. This sounds complex, and sometimes it is, but God is able to do it seeding abundantly above all that we ask or imagine according to His work in us, according to His power in us. Father, I thank you for each one listening into this telecast. I pray in particular for that one that may have embraced some hurt, some pain in their life, and it's just caused them to be bitter. I pray that they would realize right now that they can let go of that in the power of the Spirit, and God will and can help them to be an overcomer, to let go of that and to experience your love, your joy, your peace in the coming days. I pray, I ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, I know it's easier to say, let it go, than it is to let it go, but be encouraged to do exactly that. Don't harbor the hard feelings. Don't be like a Jonah and want to harbor these uh, bitter feelings. Let it go in the power of the Spirit. Learn how to do that. I want to remind you that New Life Community Church has a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, something for nearly every member of the family, and that might just include you. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church. I need to get out of here. It's been great 
fellowshipping with you for the next several moments. I trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of, left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you? Mm -hmm.